All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth, test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. Thank you. Do you know, as the summer rolls on, the applause becomes more polite little ripples. Um, but it's really great to be with you. Particularly uh, want to welcome you if you're new here or if this is the first time for you watching online. Uh, we are in part three of our series that we're doing on Ephesians. We're going through one week, one chapter. Um, and it's me for all of them. And then you get a break over the summer and everyone else gets to, to take over. But I wanted to go through this book because it is sublime. It's a sublime piece of spiritual nourishment for us. If you're not a Christian here, or if you're checking out faith, or you're kind of finding your way back in tentatively, Ephesians is such a fantastic book because it's not written with any church politics. There's no problems that it's addressing. It's just all about how good God is. And uh, we've been looking at the first two chapters over the last couple of weeks. And what we came up with with those two chapters is that your identity determines your destiny. Your identity determines your destiny. Chapter one was all about identity. Instead of getting our identity from things that can be weaker or stronger, we get our identity in Christ. What is true of Christ is true of us. What happens to Jesus happens to us. That's where we get our sense of identity from. But it's the identity that you have that determines your destiny. You cannot do what you're supposed to do unless you know who you're supposed to be. And when I find my identity in Christ, I find that actually he has a whole destiny for me. Christianity following Jesus is not just about believing a bunch of stuff, having a nice life and trying to do good. It's about experiencing the love of God and the fact that he has a destiny for you. And uh, we've had these challenges as Chloe alluded to. And the challenge last week was to memorize Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Uh, or at least read it every day. Put your hands up if you've managed anywhere near that challenge. Okay, a few, a few holy people. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, there's a destiny for you. Your life matters. You're not just dross. You're not making up the numbers. You are more than incredible. You are a child of God that has destiny on your life. And knowing our identity in Christ allows us to plumb into that destiny. So we've been doing these uh, challenges. First week, the challenge was to read chapter one every day. Let it seep into your bloodstream. Last week, the challenge was that you get to just really chew over and internalize Ephesians 2 verse 10. That, that incredible verse that says that God's made you with destiny and purpose in mind. Now, normally we do the challenges at the end of the talk, but I'm going to give you a spoiler. I'm going to do the challenge right now. All right, you ready? Yeah, breaking from tradition. Here's week three. The challenge is this. Week three's challenge is to pray the uh, Ephesians 3 prayer every day this week. Pray it for yourself and pray it for other Christians by name. 
And I'm giving you that as a challenge because we're going to go through this, uh, this prayer. Now, chapter three, we can't do all of it. So we're going to go to the end, the last eight verses where this incredible prayer is. Uh, basically, the first half of the chapter just says God is amazing and he's got good news and good plans. And it's not just Jewish people that get to be part of that. There's a plot twist. We all, everybody is welcomed into what God is doing in this world. And it's amazing. And then Paul says, because of this, I've got a prayer. And what you've got here is you've got the biggest prayer in all of Scripture. It's the biggest prayer that you can possibly imagine. If you've been around the block with church, then you'll know the Ephesians 3 prayer. Maybe you've prayed it yourself. Many of us, and I know this is true for me, I used to pray it all the time. Didn't really understand what it was about. But I kind of knew that there was something very, very powerful about this prayer. You see, when Paul is writing the book to uh, the church at large, and he's writing from Ephesus, this city, uh, the kind of the second largest city in the Roman Empire, he's writing in prison. But he's writing to all Christians everywhere. And most of the first three chapters, they read the praise and worship or their prayer. Because being a Christian is not just, here's some things you need to know. It's about an explosion of gratitude to God for what he's done. And, and it just makes us want to worship and praise. I love when uh, Matt was leading worship earlier because, you know, there's just this spontaneous explosion of praise to God and worship to God. And uh, he won't mind me saying this because he's a very transparent guy. But when we were doing the sound check and the rehearsal, he said, I don't know if I can get through these songs without crying because they're so profound. And Christian truth, if you really get it, if it really hits you at the core of who you are, it, it makes so much difference. And Paul says, you know, there's some things like chapter one. I've just got to freestyle rap it. I've, I've just got to break out. And, and I have this humongous 11 verse sentence. Well, here it's like, I've got to pray this stuff. I can't just tell you this stuff. And so that's why we are this week, the challenge is pray this prayer. Pray it over your life. Pray it over other people's lives. It's the biggest prayer. Why is it the biggest prayer? Why do I need a big prayer? It's the biggest prayer because it addresses our biggest problem. I want to ask you a question. In fact, you ask yourself this question. Ask yourself the question, what is your biggest problem? What is your problem? What is your biggest problem? And I don't just mean like, uh, I hate my flatmate, I have no money, I want a boyfriend. I mean like, what is the, 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 the thing at the core of who you are? What is it that is stopping you really be who you want to be? What is it that keeps you awake at night? What is it that drives your anxiety? What is it that you come up against like a brick wall time and time again? You see, for some of us, and I, you know, I, I want to be real here. We have been through such a challenging time these last couple of years. And some of us, you know, back in 2019, the sun was shining and we were skipping gaily through the fields and it was all wonderful and we didn't realize how good it is. Many of us right now, we're struggling to pick up the pieces of our lives. I mean, how many of you feel like there's a, a kind of a, a weariness or a tiredness or an emptiness, or you feel like you can't get close to God like you want to. You may have a fantastic faith, but you feel like it's so hard to pray. And you hear what Hannah has to say, and she's up at the crack of dawn, and she's meeting with God, and you just think, it's not my experience. Uh, how many of us who uh, had a strong faith now find ourselves with a weaker faith? Like, we're not even sure if God 
is there. And we've lost confidence that he is good, that he's on our side, that he is for us. How many of you are watching or here in the building today, you're not sure about faith and maybe you're kind of a little bit on the outside looking in. But the thing that puts you off faith is you just think, well, I'm not sure if it's that good. And yet you have this kind of hunger and a desire. It's like this magnetic pull towards meaning. But how do you find it? What's your problem? What are you feeling? What are you going through right now? Because what we want to do is we want to define what the biggest problem is. And actually, your biggest problem is none of what I've said. Your biggest problem, it's not that you feel empty. Your biggest problem is not that you're overstressed or overstretched. Your biggest problem is not that you don't have uh, enough meaning or directional purpose in life. Those are profound issues in themselves. But your biggest problem is something completely different. And we're going to find out what that big problem is at the end of this message as we go through this prayer. But this prayer is designed as a big prayer to help us with a big problem. So we're going to go through it. Now, we're going to, um, we're going to do this as we've kind of been doing the last couple of weeks. Essentially, we're going to take a little bit at a time. Now, just to put this in context, we're taking six Sundays, six talks to do six chapters. Today, I'm just focusing in on eight verses. But there's a great uh, Welsh preacher called Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was known as the greatest preacher of the 20th century, um, making the rest of us look bad. He took these eight verses that I'm going to have a cracker in the next few minutes. He took 17 preachers to delve into these eight verses. And his preachers were like an hour long. So don't hate me. Back off. I'm doing my best. I'll go through it. But what we're going to do is we're going to go a little bit through it at a time. Because it's important that you know, if you're going to pray this, you need to know what you're praying and you need to know why you're praying it. What's the end goal of all this? So it starts in verse 14 and it says this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So like we said, the first half of the chapter is all about this plot twist development. There's good news. God has got great plans. And he says, because of what God has done in Jesus, God, not just remote up in the heavens, but come down as a human being. Because he's done that, Paul says, we all have access to God. We can all have a relationship with God. If you're not a believer or if you're kind of coming back to or thinking about it, the great news is you can now, it's possible to know God. It's possible to have a relationship. And so Paul says, this is the truth. And for this reason, I'm kneeling because there's more for you to experience. And so he goes on and he says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Everyone say inner being. Inner being. being. What does it mean, inner being? I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power in your inner being. Let me put it like this. How many of you, put your hands, how many of you have been to Wookie Hole? Hands up. Okay, that's the majority of the room. Steve, what's wrong with you? How long have you lived in Bristol? <coughs> and you've never been to Wookie Hall? There's a lot to do in Bristol. <laughs> what about Cheddar Gorge? Uh, we don't know, but it's really busy. <laughs> it's really busy? Okay, fine. 
There's another question you should ask yourself. Why haven't you been to Wookiee Hole? For those of you that didn't put your hands up, Wookiee Hole. Okay, put your hands up if you've been to any kind of cave in the world, ever. Okay, right. So it doesn't have to be Wookiee Hole specifically, but I'm talking about that kind of general thing. Now, with Wookiee Hole, there are two Wookiee Holes. You know that, right? Two Wookiee Holes. There's the external, on-the-surface Wookiee Hole, and there's the internal, under-the-ground Wookiee Hole. You go to the external, above-ground Wookiee Hole, what do you find? You find the gift shop. You find the cafes. You find the tat. You find all that kind of tourist stuff. You find the cuddly toys, the stick of rock with Wookiee Hole in it. And you find all that, you know, all that good, good stuff. But it's underground. It's the inner part of Wookiee Hole that makes it such a compelling place to be. You go and you see these kind of underground grottos, these kind of subterranean cathedrals of limestone and just these jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring experiences. And it's possible to have two different experiences of Wookiee Hole. You can go to Wookiee Hole. You, literally, you can. You should do it. You can go and you can literally just ship up at the cafe, go to the gift shop. You can even buy a t-shirt that says, I went to Wikihole. You can go into the gift shop and read about the grottos and the underground cathedrals. You can see the pictures of the grandeur and the majesty, the, the power of this place. You can have all the information. You can look at all the, the different ins and outs of how they put it together and never go down deep. But the whole point of Wikihole and again, if you're watching online, there's a link in the description and you get 10% off. <laughs> That's just a joke. No, we've, you, you paid the full price. But go, seriously, go. Um, you go down. And that's when you have an awe-inspiring experience. You can have a grotto underground or you can have a gift shop above ground. You can have a surface-level experience or you can have a subterranean experience. You can visit the cafe or you can go down into the cathedral. And that is kind of the, something of the meaning of what Paul is talking about when he says your inner being. You know, as human beings, we're not just surface gift shop people, but we live in very much a gift shop cafe world. It's all about the shallow, superficial, immediate stick of rock experience. You know, we live in this attention economy where the temptation for you every single day from the moment that you get up is to instantly flick your eyeballs onto some distraction, some entertainment, some, some social media. Or maybe you don't go into social media, but hang on a minute. You're just always captivated by the BBC News homepage. Or a amen. Or, you know, like me, the Guardian. Uh, you, you, you know, you want the news. You wake up and you flick there. And it's like, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not here to bash social media or the BBC. Uh, but if all we do in life is live in the gift shop, we neglect the grotto, the cathedral, the inner being. And what Paul is saying is he's saying, listen, I want you to know God's strength and power. I'm asking the Father that by his spirit, he would give you power so that your inner, your inward core of who you are can be strengthened. So many of us, we have just failed to invest in our inner life, that secret 
inner life. Why? Because the gift shop is just way too compelling. There's, there's so much to do and so much to see and so much to buy and, and so many people and all the crowds and the coaches and, and all that stuff. And yet to go down deep and to push into something which is um, in a little way scary, but yet when you push down and you go there, there's just hidden depths, incredible power. And what the prayer is praying, it's praying that God, by his Holy Spirit, would strengthen us in the core of who we are, the very inner being, the inner part of us, that, that part which is created to have a transcendent, ethereal experience, to know God, to be plugged into the eternal, that inner part of us that so many of us find so hard to put energy and attention into. And then he goes, this is what you should pray, but this is why you should pray. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, if you were here for the first one, uh, I would have said something along the lines of, we talk a lot about Jesus coming to live in our hearts, but actually the Bible talks much more about us living in Christ, us being in Jesus. But actually, there is a part in which it talks about Jesus dwelling in our hearts through faith. The whole point of being strengthened in your inner being is so that you can have an experience of relationship with Jesus. And if right now... In your Christian faith, if you're feeling like, I don't particularly feel close to Jesus. If you're feeling like, I don't really hear him speak to me. Then Paul is saying, there's a prayer that you can pray that you could be strengthened in your inner being. So that by faith, Christ would dwell and live and you would have an experience of Jesus. Not just believe some propositions about Jesus. Not just have a theoretical faith but have a real encounter with Jesus himself so that you know him, so that he is real to you. The reason that some of us struggle with feeling the, the closeness with Jesus is that our inner being, you know, the, the underground, the subterranean parts of us, that they have been um, just weakened. You know, we're weakened through pandemic. We're weakened through crisis. You know, we can brush it off because, you know, we're, well, you're young and cool and hip. It's easy to brush off. It's easy to say, well, yeah, it was a tough time, but we got through it. But actually what happens with these kind of traumatic experiences over time is that it just erodes away and it depletes us and, and it, it de-energizes us. And we become uh, just less than what we were and what we want to be. And so Paul said, you should pray that by his spirit, God strengthens you with power. It's a Trinity prayer. You pray to the Father that by his spirit, he would strengthen you so Jesus can dwell in your heart. Not just in a kind of twee, bumper sticker way, Jesus lives in me, but in an absolute, genuine, real, I walk with Jesus, I know Jesus. So that's the first part of the prayer. It's all about asking that God would give you power, not just words, power so that your inner being is strengthened and that you have a live experiential 
relationship with Jesus where you know him and he's walking with you and he's speaking to you and he's close to you and he's navigating you through the challenges, the ups and downs of life. And then he goes on. He says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. And this is where this thing gets so, so good. It gets sublime. I, we kind of felt like we'd really done well with this series when we had Alan and Lex's wedding uh, yesterday. And uh, there was a particular high point in the, um, the groom's speech. And everyone started shouting out, sublime, sublime. Uh, but it is. It's, it's incredible because it's all about love. It's just you've got to be rooted and established in love. In other words, you're putting your roots down in the love of God, in the love of Christ. That you get your nourishment from there. You get your deep inner life from the love of Christ. You see, the problem that so many of us have is that we're rooted in anxiety. Or we're rooted in fear. Or we're rooted in rejection. You know, so many of us, the defining thing about how we do life and how we find our, our, our way through the world is we've been rooted in rejection. And that colors and impacts everything about you and how you respond. Or for some of us, it's we're rooted in fear. And so every decision, fear is the major factor. And the way that you do life and the way that your relationships are impacted is because fear is such a profound rooting and, and it's part of the soil that you've grown up in. Or it could be a whole host of issues, whether that is anxiety, that I'm, I'm always worried about what might happen. I get into a relationship, I'm not sure whether it, it can, they can be trusted because of, again, fear or rejection or things that have molded me, things that have shaped me. But could you imagine, could you imagine your life? What would your life look like if you were able to put your roots deep down and have as the, the foundation of who you are, the love of God? That everything about you was just, I know that I am loved. And that, that bases everything, every decision that I take, every day that I walk. I have a difficult time, but I'm rooted in love. I have a great time, but I'm still rooted in love. People are, are positive about me. Things are going well, but it doesn't overly impact me or affect me because utterly I know that I'm loved no matter what. I'm loved by God. Paul says, I want you to pray this. Pray that you could be rooted and established in love. So you got your roots down in love. And then he goes on. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. In other words, there's a corporate element to this, which is why Chloe was so on the money when she talks about the power of us gathering together. Solitary faith is just, it's, it's dysfunctional, doesn't work. There's something about the body of Christ. I need the whole body of Jesus to experience the whole love of Jesus. So he's saying, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of God's holy people, this corporate thing that we're a part of, so that... You can grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This is why it's the biggest prayer. So you have a foundation, a, a bedrock, a, a soil of love. Your roots go down deep, drawing in power and energy and strength from the fact that you are loved 
unconditionally. Love no matter what you do. Love no matter where you've been. Love no matter what mistakes that you've made. Love no matter whether things are good or bad, whether things are up or whether they're down. And you're established and rooted in that love. You have a deep sense of security and confidence. And then he's saying, but not just that, I I pray that you could grasp. And then you get these four dimensions. How wide, how long, how high, how deep. It's a 4D love, a four-dimensional love. That God's love is so wide. You know, when we love, we tend to love with a narrow beam focus. I love my family. I love my friends. Maybe I love my football team or I love my, you know, those that are close to me that are like me. But God's love's not like that. God's love is infinitely broad and everyone is included. And if any of you here today feel like, I don't know whether God loves me. Listen, his love is so wide. You're part of that. You're engulfed in that. The whole world, the Bible says God so loved the whole world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish, be destroyed, be self-destructive, but have real, true, eternal, everlasting life. It's wide, but it's long. You know, we looked back in that second chapter that God has a destiny. He's prepared things in advance for us to do before we were even created. Before the foundations of the world, Ephesians said, God knew us and God loves us. His love goes back beyond the big bang and his love extends out towards the end of eternity and beyond. His love is so long, but it's high. It's something that pulls you to the heights, that's transcendent, that, that lifts you up to a higher place. You can never go too high for God's love. But it's deep, it's profound. That means that it's a love that persists even in your heartache, even in your pain, even through cancer, even through all calamities that any of us can experience. You know, some of us, our experience of God, his love, is a very shallow love. And any time that something hard or tough or difficult to understand happens, you immediately feel like God doesn't love you. But Paul's saying, I've got to pray this. I'm praying this, that you would have power together with all God's people to understand just how deep that love goes. It goes all the way down. God's love for you is so profound. And then here's the kicker. And this is what brings us to the biggest problem that we have. He says, I pray that you would know all of this and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. In other words, Paul is praying a paradox. He's saying, I pray that you can know something that is unknowable because you have no way of knowing how good God's love is. But I pray that you kind of get there. So this is your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is you don't fully realize just how much God loves you. That's your problem. Your problem is not you're a dirty sinner. Your problem is not you don't pray enough. Your problem is not you're weak or you're wrong or you're lazy or you're pathetic. Your problem is not that your father didn't give you what you needed when you needed it. Your problem is none of those things. Your problem is, and my problem is, you don't fully know just how much God loves you. You don't fully realize just how much he loves you. 
Because if you knew how much God loves you, everything would be different. Everything would change. Nothing would be the same for you. Life would be a profoundly different experience. The trajectory of where you're going would be impacted forever. The way that you feel about your past would be completely and totally radically revolutionized. When I was a a young Christian, when I was just a teenager, I remember struggling. And I struggled for years thinking about God. And my view of God was that I believed in him, no problem. I mean, it makes sense on every level, intellectually, experientially, philosophically, cosmologically, you know, every, and, and I'd seen it demonstrated in the lives of people. I couldn't get past it. I'd, I'd seen the power of God. I'd seen answers to prayer and miracles, and I'd, I'd seen the integrity of lives lived under God's care. But I didn't feel that God was that good. I believe in him. Want to do the best? Want to get my golden ticket so I can go to heaven when I die? Be a good boy? Read my Bible? Drink milk from a Christian cow? (laughs) But I didn't believe that God was incredibly loving. Yeah, 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 yeah. In theory, sure. Died on the sins, you know, on the cross for my sins, Jesus. Yeah, I knew that. But I knew it at a cafe level. I knew it in my gift shop, but I hadn't had that revelation right at the very heart of my very innermost being. And so do you know what it did for me? It meant that I was a reluctant Christian. I showed up every Sunday at church. I mean, like every Sunday, sometimes more than once. And I I read my Bible and I prayed my prayers, but I did not feel tremendous joy in any of it. I felt like God was harsh and hard. I felt like God was just waiting for me to slip up and make a mistake. And so as a result, I just, I kept my faith within tight boundaries, not wanting it to spill over into anything like passion. And I I kind of just kept God at arm's length. Keep on good terms, stay out of my stuff. And I remember one day I had the experience that the Bible is talking about. I remember that I'd had just a few things that had happened and I'd been to some stuff and some meetings that had really had a profound impact on me. But I was still hardened towards the whole thing. But I remember one evening in my bedroom, this one day, and I remember kneeling down on my knees and I remember the, uh, the rough feel of the blanket on my bed. This is before duvets, kids. Um, but I remember just reading my Bible and I suddenly, for the first time, I think, in all of my life, I got it. I suddenly realized, oh my goodness, Jesus died for me. And if I was the only person on planet Earth, then Jesus would still have died for me. And if you think about it, that means that I would be the one crucifying him. And yet he still loves me. And I just had, I can't really explain it because it's a spiritual thing that happens. It happens in the kind of inner cathedrals of the soul. Just a, a light that pours in and an experience of the revelation of the Holy Spirit. I am deeply and profoundly loved. I'm loved by God. I'm loved in the way that surpasses knowledge. I can't grasp it. It's too wide for me. Too long. It's too hard. It's too deep, but I luxuriate in it, and I'm putting my roots down in it, 
And all my life I'm looking to grasp a hold of it. And it changed me. That day it changed my life. And I can remember, ah oh man, I wasn't expecting this. But I can remember this is what happened. In great measure, I just remember the tears, hot tears spilling onto my <laughs> blanket. And that sense of, ah, oh, my God, my God, my God. I didn't know how much you love me. And if you love me that much, I can trust you. And if you love me that much, I can commit my life to you. And if you love me that much, then nothing is going to frighten me. Nothing is going to be a challenge for me. Nothing is going to be a limitation for me in this world. Because the love of God is so profound, it changes everything about my life. And yet, my biggest problem is still, I don't fully realize just how much God loves me. So I go up and I go down. And you know, through this pandemic, so many of us, we've had that love and that experience of, of God's love eroded. Of course it's been eroded. We've been through trauma. We've been through deprivation. We've been through a shifting tectonic change that has challenged everything that we thought that we knew about the world. And suddenly our futures and our presence and the very nature, the reality that we rely upon is just whipped away. That's going to have a profound effect on your psyche. It's going to have an effect on your faith. That's why we know, and maybe even you're here or you're watching, you know of people or you yourself where your faith has been really shattered over the last couple of years. Or maybe you're hanging on by a thread by your fingernails. And the Bible says it's not over. God's love is longer and wider and higher and deeper. God's love is more able. God's love gives you everything. And actually, you can rebuild by pushing your roots down into this love, by replenishing the stores that have got so depleted and, and so just uh, devastated. It's like a tree with roots that is experiencing a storm and it's nearly uprooted. And there's, there's a, a, a fragility and a weakness and, and a, just a, a trauma that experiences. But Paul says, I want you to pray that the Spirit of God would strengthen you in your inner being. That you become strong on the inside once more. And I pray that you know Jesus coming to dwell in you. And I pray that all of this is predicated on the love of God. The love of God. The love of God in Christ Jesus. Why? It says, back to that verse. It says, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. There's a filling that needs to happen. And in a moment, we're going to pray for that. But here's how the prayer ends. He says this. Now to him who is able to, measure, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. How many of you tonight want to experience the fullness of God? How many of you are sick and tired of being dry and empty? How many of you are willing to say, look, I still have my questions, but ultimately I want to be rooted and established in love. I want to know what it's like to grasp after the love of God. This love that passes beyond rational understanding, which is incomprehensible. I want to experience that. How many of you are saying tonight, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you lead me into an experience of the love 
of God. Because we're going to pray. We're going to pray that. Now, like I said, the challenge is to pray the Ephesians 3 prayer uh, every day this week. To pray it for yourself. To pray for other people that you love and know. People in your hub. People that you care for. But we're going to pray that stuff right now together as a, um, just as a group of believers and those, wherever you are spiritually on your journey, whether you're just a million miles away from God or you're looking desperately for something, we're going to pray. So I'm just going to ask you to, uh, to bow your heads, close your eyes. And actually, what I'm going to do, I'm, I would like to pray for all of us. So I want you to start to prepare your heart to receive from God. But before I, I get into a prayer for all of us, I want to pray a prayer for anyone here watching or here in the room right now you don't have a relationship with Jesus or you want to start it or restart it so if you are here and you've never consciously invited Jesus to come and live in your heart to experience that love I'm going to give you a prayer and it's pretty much like the prayer that I prayed when I was there as a teenager weeping by my bedside and God showed himself to me. It's a simple prayer of A, B, and C. A, you admit that you need God, that you're not able to, to live life the way that you want to live. The Bible calls it sin. It's just basically missing the mark. B, you believe that he loves you. You might not know all the ins and outs, but there's something in you that says, yeah, I, I believe that this could be true. And then C, you commit your life to Jesus, to serving him. Now, for some of you, you're going to pray this prayer, and it's actually an act of rededication because the wheels have come off your faith and you want to get back on track. But for some of you, it's going to be the very first time you've ever prayed this prayer. So this is how we do it. Everyone's got their eyes closed. I'm going to give you the words of the prayer. You can just internalize it in your own mind after me. And then when we've prayed that prayer, I'd love to pray for you, and then we'll take things from there. But this is a prayer of commitment or rededication to Christ. So pray this prayer along with me. Dear God, just pray along with me in your own mind. Dear God, you know my life. You know the way I've lived without you. You know the mistakes I've made. You know the wrong things I've done. You know the wrong things that have been done to me. I don't understand everything, but I do believe that you love me. And if it's true that you love me, that Jesus, you lived for me, you died for me, you rose again, if that is true, I want you in my life. I give my heart to you. I commit myself to follow you. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Give me strength to know you. Make me alive to you. I offer this prayer in simple faith. In the name of Jesus.